are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I am back. I am so happy to be back. I know it's been quite some time where I've been gone and I haven't been recording in these last couple of months, but it's just so much going on in my life right now. And to be quite honest, I lost all motivation for wanting to do my podcast for a while. And I'm one of those people where I don't want to get on the show and talk and discuss topics that don't resonate with me or if I'm not feeling it getting on and just recording just to record just to have content I'm one of those people where if I'm going to record ultimately I want you the viewers to feel what it is that I'm saying you can hear I want you to be able to hear the meaning in my words when I am discussing these topics because I really feel like it makes a big difference a lot of times there are so many you know podcasters out here right now in the podcast space where people are discussing topics that really don't resonate with them and they really don't have anything to be talking about and they're just taking up space in the podcast sphere and I don't want to be one of those people and so I am back I am here to give you more content I am very happy to be back and so for today's episode we are going to discuss Bob Lee now for those of you who are not familiar with Bob Lee Let's kind of get a little bit into his background. So Bob Lee, he is a 40-year-old founder, creator of Cash App, and he was also the chief officer of Square and chief product officer of MobileCoin.com. And he was originally from St. Louis, Missouri, and and then he eventually moved to the San Francisco Bay Area to Mill Valley. Now, where he lived... In this space is with his two young children and his wife, Krista Lee Drake, who he separated from in 2019 for reasons that really haven't been discussed yet. We don't really know too much into the reason why they separated. But Lee in 2019 had actually relocated to Miami with his father, Rick, who came to live with him after Bob Lee's mother had passed away. And so Bob would occasionally come to San Francisco to see his children and of course for business purposes as well. And during his death, he was actually at a convention in San Francisco. So let's kind of get into this news clip where they're discussing his murder and I'll get back to you guys. A tech executive has been killed, stabbed in San Francisco near south of Market. Yeah, so multiple news outlets now reporting that the victim has been identified as Bob Lee, the founder of Cash App and an executive of MobileCoin. We have Crawford's Will Trand live for us in the city with the latest on what we know so far. Will? James, I'm in front of the San Francisco Police Department, and at this point, they have not made any arrest or arrests in this case, or they have released any description of the people who they are looking for. Let me show you a picture of Bob Lee. Now, you might not know his name or face, but countless people have used his brain, his technology in many ways, including, as you mentioned, James, 
Cash App. That's a very popular app used by people throughout the years. He developed that. He's also behind Android. Now, about 24 hours ago, let me show you a video of the scene. He was in the Rincon Hill neighborhood of San Francisco when police got a call about someone being stabbed at around 2.35 in the morning. They rushed out there. They spotted him. He was still alive at that particular time. They rushed him to the hospital. But because of the severity of his injuries, he died at the hospital. Tributes are pouring in from across the country and across the world for his contributions to the tech world. Not only was he behind Cash App, he also was part of Square, used by many people. Also, he was an executive at Mobile Coin, based out of San Francisco. Again, you might not know his name, you might not know his face, but you certainly, more than likely, have used his brain and his brilliance in the form of Cash App and many other things that he was behind. We're in front of the San Francisco Police Department. Would not be surprised, guys, because this is such a huge story that it's being covered nationally that they would probably end up having a news conference. All right. So you just listened to that news clip. So let's get a little into the events leading into the murder of Bob Lee. Now, on April 4th of this year, at approximately 2.34 p.m., or AM, excuse me, Lee called the police, actually. I know in the news clip it said that someone had called the police as if they didn't know who the recipient was or who the person was who, you know, contacted them, but it actually was Bob Lee. Police dispatcher dispatch were cited to the crime scene where Lee was stabbed. Now, initially, he didn't provide any details into actually who stabbed him, but in investigating a little bit further, they ended up finding a suspect. Now, when the police arrived on the scene, Bob Lee was already alive. When they rushed him to the hospital is when they pronounced him dead because he succumbed to his injuries. This now, this attack transpired in San Francisco's ritzy Recon Hill neighborhood, as you also heard mentioned in the news clip. Now, that particular neighborhood is home to a lot of the top tech executives who live within the area and the condominiums that they have around there. It is also the hub for Google offices as well as Oracle Park where the Giants play baseball stadium and so the general area is pretty heavy heavy in traffic but when it's nighttime there's not as many people that kind of come around that area that's largely to do with you know it, there's a lot of businesses more so around there so you know when offices close there's not as many people around there aside from you know the people that live within the neighborhood and a lot of the condominiums around there but it's kind of san francisco over the years well san francisco's always had a problem with crime but over the years the issue with crime has been more prevalent there's a huge issue with the homelessness population going on down there so initially when this whole story had broke a lot of people thought the person responsible for it was some random homeless person that probably attacked Bob because there has been a lot of issues with the homeless people that live around in that area, as well as a lot of issues involving crime in San Francisco. A lot of people have been getting robbed. A lot of killings have happened. And so 
no one can really find a motive behind why exactly someone would want to kill Bob Lee. Now, initially, when I heard this story, I was like, automatically, I'm like, this isn't random. (laughs) I'm sorry. Say whatever you want about San Francisco, you know, having a lot of crime and having a big homelessness population, which it does. However, I really couldn't see some random person walking up to Bob and wanting to kill him. And I really couldn't, first of all, I couldn't even see Bob knowing, you know, the amount of crime that's happening in San Francisco with him kind of, although he was born in, you know, lived in Missouri, he was raised largely out here in the Bay Area, already knowing, you know, the issues with crime and stuff, why he would be walking around at 2.35 a.m. in the morning you know, just parlaying. Like, I couldn't see that. I, I felt that he would obviously know the dangers of, you know, San Francisco and the crime and, you know, play it more safer than that. So I initially thought no. But, you know, you have Elon Musk who was saying that he felt that, you know, the homeless, homeless people were responsible for Bob's death. However, I knew that that wasn't the case. And so... So when police arrived on the scene, they started to canvass the area for any possible clues that may have contributed to Bob Lee's death. And they noticed that upon arrival at the scene, there was a mass amount of blood that was left on the streets. And per the autopsy, after Bob had passed away, they had stated in the autopsy report that Lee was stabbed, reported three times, twice in the thigh and once in the heart. And the fatal blow to him was the blow that was made to his heart. Now, as they started to canvas the area, they stumbled upon a piece of evidence, which was a four inch kitchen knife that was left nearby at a Caltrans parking lot and this knife appeared to have some blood on it. So as the investigators started to look more into the series of events that led to Bob Lee's death, they came across one witness who was with Bob just hours before leading up to his murder. Now, the identity of this particular witness still remains anonymous, and the witness states that he had known Bob for 10 years and described himself as a close friend to Bob Lee. And he said that during the day of the hours prior, the day before, that would be, Bob had invited him to Kazar Elisanya's house, who is known by friends as Tina. And her place was located in the Millennial Tower in San Francisco, just blocks away from Bob Lee's hotel. And around 3.30 on April 3rd, when they all hung out, they were drinking and the witness states that he met Kazar Elisanya about three to four years prior through Bob Lee. Now, when asked if he knew Kazar and Bob and Bob knew if Kazar and Bob had actually had an intimate relationship, the witness states that he was unsure, but knew Kazar was married and it's reported that her marriage was in jeopardy. Now, the witness says that after some time, Bob decided to leave and he invited Kazar to come along with him, but he but Kazar declined. Now, when Bob and the witness went back to Bob's hotel at one hotel in San Francisco, Kazar's brother, Nima Momeni, called Bob via FaceTime and questioned Bob about him picking up Kazar earlier that day and inquiring if Kazar um, had done any drugs or was acting inappropriate, to which Bob reassured him she wasn't. 
Now, after that brief conversation, the witness and Bob went back to Bob's place. And on April 4th at 12.30 p.m., he states, the witness states that he never saw Bob again. Well, Bob had left and went back to Kazar's place where Kazar's brother, Nima Momeni, also was at, also was at her place as well. Now, on April 4th at 2.03 a.m., the surveillance video shows Nima Momeni and Bob Lee get into an elevator together and leave out of Kazar's Millennial Tower building and leave into Nima's white BMW. Now, upon further inspection of the video footage of the area, it showed Nima driving around the area with Bob Lee in the passenger seat where Nima drives into a secluded area, which would be considered the Recon neighborhood where Bob Lee succumbed to his injuries. Now, both men appear to get out of the car at some point and they get onto the sidewalk and for about five minutes, they're kind of having some interactions going on, a little back and forth, a little conversation, it seems to be, per the surveillance video. And then at some point, they separate. Now, Bob goes one direction and Nima goes to the other. Now, as Nima is walking in the opposite direction, he stopped in an area to which the police were able to recover the murder weapon that was left close by at the train station. After he had walks walks away and he appears to have thrown the murder weapon in the area where the Caltrans station was, he then gets back into his white BMW and speeds off down the highway to which investigators were able to recover that from some additional footage that was within that area. Now... Witness one stated, and this is what we'll just call it witness one, because this is what's also stated in the court documents in regards to the events that led up to Bob Lee's murder. The next morning had actually contacted Kazar. And when he contacted her, he asked if Bob had gone back to her apartment after he had left his house, after he had left, you know, from the hotel. And Kazar had stated that he only had came by for a second, to which she stated that she had fell asleep and had no idea what time Bob had left now this sounds a little funny to me that you're stating that he had came to your house he had been hanging out with you all day the previous day you guys were you and witness one and bob were all drinking together and he leaves to go to your place because obviously you wanted him to come over or vice versa and you're telling me that you only seen him for one second to which you fell asleep now, ma'am, I'm not believing that story. Somebody's lying, but we're going to get to the bottom of the truth here. So I want to get into a little bit about, you know, Nima and Kazar, who they actually are. Now, Nima Momeni is a 38-year-old IT business consultant to which he has a company called Expanded, which he offered a variety of technological services and support. However... It seemed that he only see he only was the he was the only employee of a, of his company. Now this company has been around for over ten years, and upon looking at you know the Yelp reviews or any reviews that I could find about Nima, there wasn't many. And you would think if someone had a business for well over ten years that they would amass more than twenty something reviews, and a large amount of them were pretty good reviews. But it just seemed a little suspicious. 
that after 10 years, you would be the only one, you know, working in your company. Now, there was a San, San Mattel office, but it seemed that Nima worked largely out of his luxury loft that was located in Emeryville. So it served not only as his home, but also that was the hub for his business, which was in his loft in Emeryville. Now, in looking at Nima's LinkedIn account, he is said to have gone to UC Berkeley. The problem with that is UC Berkeley has stated that they had no record of him in their system. Now, Kazar Elisanya is the sister of Nima Momeni. And her and her brother and her family had moved here from Iran when they first fled in 1979 from the revolution in Iran. And their family is said to have practiced Zostrian faith which is an old ancient Islamic faith. She ended up marrying a very prominent plastic surgeon in San Francisco, and his name is Dina Dino Elizania, and they wed in 2013. Now, Kazar's marriage was said to be on the rocks. Now, what's interesting is there was a very lavish spread that was done by Halt Living Magazine in 2020, where Dino Elizania had stated that his wife, stated of his wife, that she was, and I quote, she is one of a kind, passionate, brave, and intelligent. Now, there are a couple of things that lead me to believe that there was some cracks in that foundation. Now, although the witness, witness one had stated he was unsure whether or not Bob had an intimate relationship with Kazar, it definitely is said that she was having some issues, you know, within her marriage and that it was a fact in jeopardy from what the witness had stated. Now, for one, in 2019, Kazar went on a dating app and she had matched with this guy. She goes on a date with him and on this date, she invites her brother along, Nima Momeni. Now, it is stated that she met up at a bar and later went back and they later all went back to her home. Now, the guy states of them, he states, and I quote, they were very nice, super social people. I am shocked because he was such a nice guy. Now, what's interesting is on a Facebook post in 2019, Kazar's husband, Dr. Elizania, posted a, posted a Valentine's post of her and he stated, yes, I just lost her at chess, but in the game of life, I can never lose with her by my side. Love my forever. Now, in addition to that Valentine's Day post that Dr. Elisanya had, you know, made for his wife, he had also posted a post to her for a National Women's Day on March 22nd of this year. Now, according to one of Bob's friends, Terene Ipachi, who knew Bob and Kazar personally, as she states, she had mentioned that their relationship had appeared to be a romantic. And she that also stated that she told Bob Kazar was married and that Bob responded by saying, and I quote, it doesn't seem like it matters to her because she's flirting with me. Now, ironically enough, both Kazar and Bob both have houses in Mill Valley and lived about 4.5 miles away from each other. Now, Kazar was clearly unfaithful to her husband and was definitely living a double life from what it seemed like. Her brother seemed to always, always, 
always want to be in her business and her love life. And it also seemed to me like, you know, Kazar and her husband were almost trying to kind of keep up a little front about their relationship. Now, you know, they were stated to have been separated in 2019, yet her husband is writing, you know, Valentine's Day post to her, as well as at the time of Bob's death, the witness had stated that, you know, Kazar's marriage had been in jeopardy, but yet, you know, the husband was literally posting a Facebook post to her for National Women's Day as early as March 22nd of this year. So, and, and, and at that time, it seemed like also, you know, Kazar was living in their millennial tower house while I'm assuming, you know, Dr. Elisanya was living in their Mill Valley home. And the fact that she was also so comfortable to bring another man into her home in 2019 when she had met that guy on the dating app, you know, there clearly has been years of infidelity in that relationship. Now... Does her husband know about it? I'm pretty sure that's probably part of the reason for the strain in the relationship. But the fact that she was just so careless and had her brother coming along on, you know, all of her philandering that she was doing across San Francisco was very brazen and bold and crazy. I think it definitely speaks volumes about the type of relationship that they pretty much had with one another. A lot of times, you know, when you are looked at in a certain respect, like her husband was a very prominent plastic surgeon, you know, you want to make things look picture perfect because that's his job also as a surgeon to make people look good. You know, he was, he, it appeared that most of his surgery that he would perform was rhinoplasty on his patients. And so, I mean, to an extent, when you become a plastic surgeon, you also have a level of, you know, expectation of perfection. And so with that, also that very lavish spread that they had done in Holt Living, where if you're looking at the relationship, you know, everything seemed peachy cream. He's gloating about her, saying how wonderful she was as a woman and a wife. You know, you you want to keep up the front because it looks good. It keeps you on the pages of Holt Living and Forbes magazine or whatever, you know, smoke and mirrors you want to put out there. It makes you look good. So I feel like they were pretty much putting up a front about their relationship. And the separation was probably known more so to their close friends. But to the outside world, they were still a married couple. And by all those numerous Facebook posts, as I stated, a lot of people probably had no idea what was going on underneath the surface of the relationship. But upon a further inspection of Kazar, it definitely seemed like she also had a drug problem as well. So now I kind of want to get into some of the hours leading up to the arrest of Nima Momeni for the murder of Bob Lee. Now, on April 13th of this year, in the early morning hours, the cops came to Nima Momeni's luxury loft in Emeryville and they had arrested him for the murder of Bob Lee. Now, while most people had nice things to say about both Kazar and Nima, there were a few people who weren't too fond of him that lived in the building. Now, it's said that 
a couple of days prior to Lee's death, there was some random woman that had came banging on one of the neighbor's doors, screaming Nima's name. And the neighbors had threatened to call the police, to which the woman eventually went away after they had threatened her. But it was posted on a neighbor's website. I don't know if many of you are familiar with like next door neighbors, but it's pretty much like a form where people that live within that neighborhood can write, you know, posts about things that are going on within the area. There was also another neighbor that had stated that all the neighbors hated Nima Momeni. He mentioned that there were various complaints made about Nima on next door in neighborhood, which stated that Nima was rude. They had claimed that he had stuck up the hallways with his cigarette smoke, that he yelled all the time, that he refused to pay rent for four to five months. Neighbors also complained of his him hosting a lot of house parties and playing loud music. They said that he loved to have a lot of women and there were constantly a lot of women coming and going out of his house. They said that he was a big collector of knives and boats and also cars. It was also said that, you know, Nima may have also had a drug problem himself as well as Kazar. Now, there was another client that had stated in regards to his expanded business in 2015, according in a post that was made by the examiner, this client had stated that she had came across Nima and she had wanted to render some services for him from him and that she had stated that there was a billing issue that had happened and she had it brought it to Nima's attention to which she said that he had became very short tempered with her in regards to this bill. Now, we also can't overlook his criminal rap sheet that he has. It isn't super long, but he definitely does have some criminal history here. Now, for one, in 2004, Nima was charged with driving while intoxicated and caught a charge for possession of a switch knife and driving with a suspended license in 2011. And that he was trying to sell this switch blade, but he was ordered to destroy it by the courts. Now, the knife charge was later dismissed and he pleaded no contest to the su- suspended license. Nima also was accused of assault on August 1st of 2022, and they stated that around 3 p.m., Nima had apparently grabbed a woman's arm. It stated that he had pulled and pushed her, pushed this woman, and that when Emeryville police arrived at Nima's luxury loft, um, he, he was cited and released with no charge. And they said that the whole case was dropped. Now, there was also some issues that were going on with the IRS that Nima had had. Now, in 2011 and 2017, the IRS had came after him for not paying his taxes. And it was in the sum of $18,433 in 2017 and $32,014 in 2011. So as we see here, you know, Nima kind of had himself some, he was a, he was kind of a bad boy, it seems like. And it also seemed like he was a little bit of a shrewd business person. Not only that, it's very interesting that Nima never paid, was not paying his rent on time, but had this business, supposed successful business for well over 10 years. Now, what I kind of think in this situation is, from what I'm seeing, Kazar was the one that had introduced 
Bob to her brother, Nima. And I'm pretty sure part of it was, you know, they both worked in the IT world, you know, the tech world. And so what Nima is trying to claim is that the reason for him killing Bob was self-defense. And one of the things that, one of the motives that is being stated is that Nima felt that Bob was trying to get his sister hooked on drugs. Now, here's the problem with that story. Kazar's friend, one of her friends has stated that she was a known drug addict. And not only was she a known drug addict, oftentimes she would try to have this friend buy drugs for her with her own, with her friend's own money. And that eventually the friend got fed up with Kazar to which she had contacted Kazar's husband, Dino, and asked him to not have Kazar call him anymore, call her anymore, excuse me. Now, there was also the issue with the drug dealer that caused the FaceTime call between Bob and Nima Momeni. Now, allegedly, according to an anonymous drug dealer and another witness who was with Bob Lee and Kazar the day before the murder had happened that had called caused this rift between Kazar and her brother Kazar and Bob Lee the day the day of his actual murder this drug dealer had stated that you know he had went over he was at the house with Bob at Kazar's Millennial Tower house. And this other witness that was there were all kind of hanging out. And I guess that was something that really triggered Nima. Now, according to one of Kazar's friends, she had said Nima had always told her never to give his sister drugs. But it was said that, you know, Nima was no stranger to drugs himself. And it's also further stated by one of Bob's friends, Tarina, who had spoke about his affair with Kazar, that Bob also was into drugs as well. Now, she said that, you know, he liked to dabble in drugs. And according to the friend, she said that's how he got his name Crazy Bob, because he liked to party and unfortunately liked to do a lot of drugs. But she says that he was one of the sweetest guys ever. Now, Nima was introduced, as I said, to, you know, Bob through Kazar. And I feel like it probably, like I said, had to do with the tech world. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were all dilly and dallying around together in drugs. I don't believe that this sole motive of Bob trying to get his sister hooked on drugs is the case because, as I mentioned, the friends had said that, you know, she had battled this issue for some time and it was brought to her husband's attention. And this had nothing to do with Bob. So I think the fact that Nima, you know, killed him on this you know, pretense of Bob trying to get his sister hooked on drugs, I don't buy it. I feel like this situation is a little deeper than that. They obviously, you know, Bob and Kazar obviously had a relationship together and it seemed like Kazar also had a relationship with several other men and it seemed like she was very comfortable with having these men in her 
private home, which is crazy to me, knowing that the fact that she was, you know, a married woman and was just out here parlaying, you know, like it ain't no thing was just it is it speaks a lot of volumes. And so what my feelings kind of are about this situation is I feel like Nima and Bob had their own personal issues with one another. Now, as I've stated before, Nima's expanded tech business was not taking off. And as the neighbor stated, he wasn't paying his rent on time. So maybe there was some issues with you know, Nima bringing to Bob's attention his business, which I'm sure they discussed many times. And maybe Nima felt that he wanted Bob to somehow be an investor in his business. And maybe Nima and maybe Bob had seen that Nima really didn't have anything for him to want to invest in. Maybe he's seen him as a person that he didn't want to help out for whatever reasonings they may have been. And maybe that is kind of what caused a little bit of the rift between you know, Nima and Bob, because I just find it hard to believe if you knew if, you know, Kazar's friends were over here, you know, knowing that she had a drug issue. And obviously at some point in time, some of them were probably supplying her with the drugs and she was getting them somehow, how you would attack Bob and not go after her other friends. It just seems very perplexing to me. So I feel like that that motive is just a scapegoat motive. I don't really believe it's true. And I think that he's using that, you know, Bob got his sister hooked on drugs or was giving her drugs as a motive to kill him based upon Nima's own personal issues with Bob. You know, I feel like this runs a little deeper than what's being put out there right now. And eventually we will get to the bottom of what was going on. Now, one of the ways that the police were able to hone in on Kazar and Nima, many for the involvement in Bob Lee's death was when they were able to get a hold of Bob's phone and unlock it, they had found some text messages that they had combed through that they seen between Kazar and they had also seen the FaceTime call between Nima and Bob just hours prior to his death. And in one of the last text messages Kazar had sent Bob around the time of Bob Lee's death, she had stated in the text message, just wanted to make sure you're doing okay. Cause I know Nima came down way hard on you. Thank you for being such a classy man, handling it with class. Love you selfish pricks. Now, if that doesn't give also more insight into the fact that there was obviously a romantic relationship going on between Bob and Kazar, I don't know what is. And it's obvious that there was some sort of disagreement that had happened hours prior. Now, we still don't know in grave details what the involvement was, why Lee came back to Kazar's, you know, hotel. But I'm pretty sure the reason for Bob going over to Kazar's house, excuse me, not hotel, was probably to mend fences with Nima and probably talk things out and clear the air and get a better understanding. And I and it seems to me like, you know, Nima had coerced Bob in making it seem like everything was okay, but it was clear that he had an intent to kill Bob. 
And I believe that this whole thing was premeditated. Now, Nima, like I said, is stating that it was self-defense and that, you know, he was doing it to protect his sister. But to me, I don't understand why if your sister clearly had been having this drug issue prior to even knowing, you know, Bob, why he would be the fall guy for her, be the fall guy and why he would have to be killed. Now, what's also is very telling is the fact that, you know, Nima brought a kitchen knife, which we don't know right now where the kitchen knife had came from. But I am pretty sure that he had took the kitchen knife from Kazar's home. And so that even furthermore proves that this whole attack was premeditated and that he was acting. Nima was acting as if everything was cool and everything was cool between him and Bob. And that was whole. And the purpose of Bob getting in Nima's car was because Nima told him that he was going to take him home, to which he did not. He drove off into a secluded area and per surveillance video, you know, had attacked Bob. So I believe that, you know, Nima had his mind made up that he was going to kill Bob, you know, over some issues that I feel like Nima personally had with Bob. And I think, yes, there were some issues involving the sister, but I believe that, you know, Nima's issues were his own issues. And it is very telling that, you know, he had he has a temper. He obviously is an abusive person per the police documents that had came up in regards to him assaulting the woman. His business wasn't taken off. He was known to be a liar from what it seems like from the fact that he had lied about where he had gotten his education from. He had stated that he had went to UC Berkeley in which to in which UC Berkeley had stated they had no record of him. So it was it was clear to me that I'm sure what money he was making from his company for his company was probably from drugs. I'm pretty sure that the drugs was helping to bankroll his lifestyle because it didn't seem like he was garnering a lot of traffic with his business. He had his business open for 10 years and he didn't have any employees aside from himself. And he had to have his main office out of the loft of his home, which I mean, most people nowadays are working from home, but I think that that's also very telling that you would run an IT business and not have, you know, a bigger a bigger office. So he really wasn't doing too well on the tech side. So maybe there was some envy and jealousy going on in that respect with him and Bob. Now, as far as, you know, Kazar and her husband's relationship, it appears that, you know, they're saving face right now because during the first initial court appearance that Nima Momeni had had, Bazaar's husband was present with her. They were holding hands. They didn't answer any questions that the media had from them, but they were putting on a united front. And even, you know, when Nima was on the stand, Kazar and her husband were giving him heart gestures as well as he was giving them heart gestures. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot more to unpack and uncover in regards to what the true nature of the relationship was between Kazar and her husband. 
why they were on the rocks, which we can all assume was due largely to infidelity, but also what role her brother plays in it, because it seemed like her brother was okay with her infidelities. I mean, he was literally going on, you know, the dates that she had. And so, I mean, it just seems all of this just seems really crazy to me. Now, Nima Momeni at the moment is faces if he's convicted, he faces 26 years to life in prison for the murder of Bob Lee. But I want to know your guys' thoughts. I want to know what you guys feel the motive is for why Nima Momeni killed Bob Lee. Do you actually believe that Nima had killed Bob based upon, you know, Bob getting his sister hooked on drugs? Or do you feel like there's more to unpack? Do you feel like, you know, Nima Momeni had some vendetta against Bob Lee because he, Nima Momeni failed as a business, being able to be seen as a successful tech businessman? What's your thoughts about it? There's so much more that I know that is going to be unpacked and uncovered as this trial continues to move along. But I think it's safe to say this is probably one of the stories we oftentimes watch in a Lifetime film. Oftentimes to hear that these types of things are going on in our own backyards is crazy to think of. And... You know, there, there's so much that we don't really know that's going on, you know, in people's households. You know, who would think that this tech giant, you know, of this successful business called Cash App would also be involved in drugs? You know, and who would ever think that this prominent plastic surgeon would have a wife who's dealing in a dallying in it and has this, you know, shrewd brother who's, you know caravanning along with her on her with her in her infidelities when she's going on dates with these randoms and that's also involved in you know some very skeptical behavior so let me know what you think leave your opinions in the comment box below and I do want to thank you all so very much for tuning in to another episode of the Vibe Selection Podcast. I am so happy once again to be back here and to give you guys more content and more of me ultimately. Well, thank you so much for tuning in once again. Always remember that if you'd like to follow me on IG, you can do so at I am Kyra Mahoney. Make sure you like and subscribe to this video on YouTube. And once again, thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe, stay healthy out there. Bye. Thank you for joining Vibe Selection with Kyra. Come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics. Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection.